0: This is Claudia Gray, and you're listening to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them.
1: Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am here with my co-host, who is as electric as Poe Dameron hanging out on Exegol. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Lindsay.
0: Ooh, <laughs> love it. both topical and dealing with Exegol. What more could you ask for?
1: I mean, I really love Exegol. Like, I love Exegol.
0: The story thought, you know, everything that it opens up for in the story, so good.
1: It's so good. I really want, like, I want, like, stories from Exegol or, like, tales from Exegol or whatever. There's some cool stuff there. Don't,
0: don't spoil it. Don't, we might be talking about one at some point tonight. Don't spoil it.
1: Say what? That's right. We're talking about Dark Legends tonight. We are talking about Dark Legends and Poe actually. Yeah, two for one, guys. Two for one cuz not only do you get two great hosts on one great show, you get two books on one episode. You're you're <laughs> welcome. You're welcome. You can send yeah. uh,
0: Is it because we are so good or both of the books were just a little hey, and we couldn't really stretch them?
1: Well, let, let's you'll do it you'll find out well, you'll find out and let's do it this way if if we're so good tweet at clashing sabers if we're not good you can uh, tweet at the drew brett just do that and we'll be fine <laughs> so so uh, it has been a trip to get to this episode guys this is the at least third time we've tried recording this episode because yeah. um, technology's fun so we're just gonna keep it at that and keep on rolling but let's Let's just say we have a lot of pent-up energy, and we are very excited about the show, Um, and so I'm ready to get it rocking and rolling. And before we do that, though, before we could really get into the meat of things, I wanted to just give a couple of updates. Uh, First of all, on our care packages uh, for teachers that we finally sent out, um, we did a fundraiser in May, and thank you to all of those who supported the fundraiser. Um, We were able to send packages full of books to three... Uh, I have two middle school teachers and a middle school librarian. So, of course, with corona and everything, we we really didn't know what schools were going to look like and where we would be sending them. So we've been holding off, but we are finally able to get those out. Um, and because of uh, them going to middle schools and, and a library in particular, these books are going to impact hundreds of kids, uh, which is just really super exciting. So thank you to all of those who, who supported us with that. And um, with that in mind... October is Star Wars Reads Month, so I wanted to do something a little interesting for uh, Star Wars Reads, and and something special for our patrons. So, here's what we're gonna do. In October, anyone who signs up for our Patreon will automatically be sent a Clash of Sabers bookmark and sticker. Um, as will anybody who leaves us an iTunes review or uh, a review on any Podcatcher, if you are on another Podcatcher uh, other than iTunes, just send me a screenshot um, with your information at Clashing network at gmail.com or on Twitter or something um, so I can send them to you because I'm an Apple disciple and so I don't <laughs> I don't check the other ones. And then, just to kind of to kind of have some fun uh, with our patrons, everybody who is a patron in October will be entered to win a St- uh, Star Wars book. We're going to do a drawing for a Star Wars book. We usually we have a tier where we do random drawings um, to be sent, you know, sending Star Wars swag to people. But for this month, since it's Star Wars reads and we want people checking out Star Wars books, whether they be canon or legends or whatever, uh, all you have to do is be on our Patreon any tier to win. Now because it's me and I can't do anything like normal people do them, I put a twist on it. You, a winner of the future, are not going to know what book you are getting sent. Instead, whoever wins is going to fill out a Google form with some questions, maybe like five is what I'm thinking. Um, I've got some of them in my head right now. And one of the Clashing Sabers team members will personally select a book to send you based on your answers. So you get the victory of winning and beating other people and also the joy of a surprise. So join our Patreon, uh patreon.com slash clashing We have seven different levels, uh all of them with uh different benefits. So there's a little bit for everybody to check out. So we're doing that for October. Too. Uh you can trust uh you can trust Mark and Adriana. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rest not of us, true. the rest of us, I'm not so sure about. Uh, but Lindsay, what are you doing for, for Star Wars Reads Month? Are you doing, are you doing any special Star Wars uh, reading or, or anything like that?
0: You know, it, it kind of sucks just because October out of all 12 months is a really, really, really crazy time at work for me, even while still working remotely. So I wanted to originally go back and read some of my favorite Legends books that I haven't read in a long time. I'm just really hoping that I'll get time, especially because with the craziness of work, my brother is also getting married. So we have family coming in from all over the country. So it's it's a good time. And I'm the good sort of busy, but I'm still busy. So (laughs) ideally... I'll be reading some of my favorite legends books. You know, I, you know, I love Tatooine ghosts. That's a kind of a, a, sleeper hit for me. Um, so hopefully I can get at least that one in.
1: I have so many books that have piled up. Um, so dark legends, which we're going to talk about tonight took me way longer than a middle grade book should have taken me. It took me like about the, the length that usually takes me to read like a regular adult novel. Um, but, and not for any, I, I think it was just because of the t- the time of year I was reading it. I don't think it is a comment on the book or anything like that. I think it's just school starting and moving and everything. It's just, I was exhausted. So I've got Thrawn Ascendancy uh, or Chaos Rising or whatever that I'm finishing. Uh, I have... Clone Wars, uh, stories of light and dark that's still sitting on my nightstand. Right before all of those came in, I had gotten a uh, paperback version of Black Spire because I wanted to reread that. Uh, and then I found a used bookstore here and grabbed a couple uh, other Star Wars books. So now I'm like, oh, I want to read some more legends. So I think I want to go um, back to what I was doing, I guess, in 2018, where I actually tracked how many books I read because uh I feel like I I feel like I spent more time reading uh when I did that because it was like a competition, you know? And I like wanted to yeah. beat my every, goal. Every
0: little check mark is like a little bit of a reward for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think in twenty twenty one I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna download Goodreads again and keep track of that. And maybe we can do maybe we can do something with our patrons or our Facebook group that we can um You know, share and maybe have a a little contest for people who can read certain amounts of uh, Star Wars books in the year. That'd be fun.
0: I'm in. I'll lose, but I'm in.
1: I mean, I'm not saying you're a loser. (laughs) You said you're a loser. I didn't say that.
0: (laughs) Thanks, friend.
1: You know, I try. Um... So yeah, that's that's kind of what we got going on. Of course, you know, you can always support our mission to get more people reading, and particularly get more kids reading by uh, joining our Patreon, like I mentioned. And for those of you who are new to the program, um, our nonprofit sends Star Wars books to schools and classrooms across the country, uh, so that we can, you know, get books into to kids' hands. And our uh, Patreon, a hundred percent of those proceeds go to buying books um and sending sending those books to students so we don't cover any of our hosting fees or, or subscription fees or anything like that uh, we're not buying new equipment with this money and then giving the rest of the kids this is 100 percent going towards the effort to um, support the students so if that is something that you are interested in like i said we have seven different levels uh you can donate there or if you want to uh figure out how to just do a one-time donation you can go to clashingsabers.net and we've got stuff on there so with that said i think we should uh go ahead and get into these books and uh start with let's start with poe dameron um right. because well I, adriana and i uh had a great interview with uh with alex gira who is who's the author of the book great dude uh, definitely go listen to him if you want kind of a more in-depth uh, look at this uh, and more, you know, the impact that it has uh, and, and what it says about the larger Star Wars story and stuff like that. I really think you guys sh- will really love that interview, so go check that out. Um, I'll link it in the show notes. But with that in mind, because we're covering two books, we're not going to go as deep as we normally do with with Poe but we are going to start out with our rankings. So we have a new format where we rank the book before we discuss it. No um, descriptions of why, it, although I'm going to cheat this time, but it's my show, so I can do whatever I want. Uh, <laughs> rules are arbitrary, as, as we can tell with our world today. And so we rank it before. We don't discuss why we're, we're ranking it. And then we discuss and see if we have uh, changed anything. So, Lindsay, I'm going to let you go first. Poe Dameron Ranking out of five A-wings, one A-wing being uh, a crashed A-wing from a pilot nobody remembers, and uh, five being who's like a really, really cool A-wing pilot. Oh, Cherbe! Bay's A-wing uh, helping win win the war. What do you got?
0: Uh, can we give halvesies?
1: I mean, it's gonna be hard to fly, but again, rules are arbitrary. <laughs>
0: I mean, I guess I'd give this like a two and a half, really leaning more towards two, just because in my mind, this is a very forgettable book. And anyone who listens to this show or even I think on the main Clashing Sabers flagship show, I've always been pretty vocal, like this is what I was looking forward to. You know, this was kind of my my big thing coming out of Rise of Skywalker. Lindsay, Lindsay, you're cheating,
1: you're cheating, you're cheating
0: ah but rules are arbitrary
1: okay keep going you convinced me
0: all right i don't i just long story short i was excited for this and seemed kind of forgettable
1: so i want to put some context on mine because i want to put like kind of where i rank things in perspective the The last Thrawn book, Thrawn Treason, not Ascendancy, Chaos Rising, I'm still reading that one, which I'm, spoiler alert, actually kind of enjoying. Double spoiler alert, not because of Thrawn. Anyways, um, the last Thrawn, what was Thrawn Treason, that one is a one for me. That's bottom of the barrel, like, least interesting, like, Star Wars book maybe I've ever read. Like, Red Harvest was pretty bad, in my opinion. Uh... I know a lot of people like Death Star from the Legends. That was pretty rough. It thrones down there. There is a bigger gap, you know, as as you go up. It's it's harder to get to two from from one on my scale. It's you know, increasingly gets it's it's a lot smaller of a margin from four to five than it is from one to two. That's what I'm trying to say. With that in mind, I'd give it a two, um, simply for the same reasons that you. You gave, um, it's not the most memorable story, um, but even more so, uh, is kind of the situation that the tech, the context around the text more so than, than the story itself. So we'll get into that in a minute, but Lindsay with, with Rise of Skywalker being your favorite movie, um, I wanted to start by just talking about how well you think this book ties into the movie and, What, if anything, does it add to your movie viewing experience?
0: (sighs) In short, my friend, it doesn't and nothing, respectively. You know, this is truly, when I I said that coming out of Rise of Skywalker, I was like, oh my God, I want to learn more about that relationship, and I can't wait to do that. And then we got this. It was like the ultimate well, what were you expecting moment? (laughs) You know, it's, it's the ultimate careful what you wish for because I put this down and it felt so lackluster, but at the same time, like, I don't know what I was thinking was going to happen. There wasn't really much of a a story to tell between these two. And just to, to hear Poe's background, to hear more about the spice runners, I kind of shrugged. I was like, yeah, it makes sense. wasn't, crazy imaginative but i don't think i would have done any better
1: so before i say my next statement let me just say like i'm watching rise of skywalker right now i really love rise of skywalker it's a super fun movie um so this is not me bashing on rise of skywalker but as i have said time and time again i have major issues with the way that jj antario approached writing the movie and the way that J.J. writes uh, and directs movies overall in that he he does things for him, not necessarily what's best for the story, including bringing in, um, oh, my God, what's her name that played? Uh, uh, Russell? No, not you, not Carrie Keri, Russell? Thank you. Carrie Russell.
0: Carrie Russell, right? Yeah. Carrie
1: yeah, Russell. Uh, bringing Carrie Russell in because she was a friend. Um, not necessarily because there was a character to add to the story, um, I feel like was was a mistake. And, and I feel like Segura overall with this book was put in a no-win situation because having Poe be a spice dealer in the first place is such a god-awful idea. Um, like, there was no way he was going to come out of this, Segura was going to come out of this with everybody going, wow, that was, that was great. Like, there's he was doing damage control in my opinion um and he for me he did a really good job of creating a story that made sense uh and seeing and making connections with poe's arc across the trilogy but again like the spice runners of kajimi are not interesting to me and and okay rant time Spice Runners of Kajimi is literally the worst name for a gang in the history of ever. Can we just get that out there? No, no.
0: Let's just tell everyone what we're doing.
1: Yes, here's the exact crime we commit and the exact location where we hang out.
0: Mind you, this is a
1: galaxy. This is a galaxy that has black sun, crimson dawn, the shadow syndicate. Right. All in this oh history and lexicon God. of Star Wars, and this is the best thing that JJ and Terrio could come up with. If oh, I was good. another gangster, so I would literally start <laughs> laughing when I heard that. Like, it sounds—it sounds like like a, a bunch of like sixth graders trying to come up with a street gang, and so they just wear bandanas so that they, you know, seem like they're cool, but really, like everybody else is like, "Wow, you guys are too pathetic to even beat up." Like, that's what I think of when I hear
0: there's an actual gang in hawaii called the beach boys and like it's just one of those like oh dude really but at least they're not like the beach boys who go around at this specific beach and do, <laughs> and and sell weed like
1: no. yeah like, they, like
0: even uh, they hide it
1: god guys like
0: yeah oh, it's uh, so funny dude
1: again like i think jj wanted to bring in carrie russell because she's a friend mind you, if I was directing a movie, I'd have all you guys in it. Like, n- no question. Yeah. But also, you, I would just give you something that already, like, makes sense for the story. Like, I wouldn't r- write this thing just to have you in there. Like, that's what bothers me, and that's why I feel like, you know, this is not a situation like um, Ray Carson had with Most Wanted, where she was setting up this relationship between Han and Kira, because with that book, like the relationship made sense for the story whereas with with this book it was writing about a relationship that was unnecessary in the story was uh boring uh two characters that had zero chemistry on the screen and also was just straight up being like no 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 poe's not gay he can't be gay because that would just not be good like that's no, what you know that what, you know what? was you know
0: what? My big issue with it was I was hoping that we would get a story about Poe having this challenging upbringing that he really overcame and he was able to get out of the Spice Runners. Like I, I wanted to love Poe coming out of this. And instead, what we got was here is this I, I know he had been through a lot, but he came across as this kind of spoiled brat who just didn't get along with his dad. You know, and granted, like I, I had my mom growing up. I can't really picture what it's like to lose a parent and not getting along, getting get along with your other parent. But the point of a book is that you should be able to understand it by the time you put it down. I should have picked up this book, and understood everything Poe was going through and how challenging it was. And instead, he just comes across like a spoiled little brat who didn't get along with his dad, so he ran away to sell drugs and let everyone know.
1: See, I would say it's not, that that is not even what I got from it. Um, Because I don't think, Enough time, in my opinion, and this is this is one of my bigger critiques of the story. I don't think enough time was spent with the actual relationship between Kess and Poe and everything that was going on there. It felt like to me uh, that again, because you had to make this connection between Poe and the Spice Runners and having him, you know, be in their gang and everything like that that not enough time was spent on Kes and Poe. And so I didn't really feel for that relationship. So maybe that's kind of where you're getting that from is just like, we, there's not, you're, you're supposed to just accept and be empathetic towards like, Oh, he lost his mom and doesn't get along with his dad. But like, again, how many of us have actually experienced that, you know? Um, And, and how many of us can relate to that? I don't, i don't know like i couldn't i mean and i come from a divorced family so like i think that's as close as you can get without a parent dying but you you shouldn't shouldn't need to have that baggage to to come to yeah Yeah. and and again you
0: know i think of some of my other favorite non-star wars books and i'm so far removed from any of those protagonists you know like i love outside of star wars i love kurt vonnegut books I've never been a prisoner of war, but I still relate to those characters. I've never gone to, you know, an alien planet, but I still relate to those characters. Like I I can understand. And I come out of those books and those stories with a better appreciation for those things. So it's a shame that I put this book down. And instead of having a better appreciation for teenagers who lost their parents and have had to make tough decisions, I don't have that appreciation. Instead, I'm like, what a little brat.
1: Well, they're t- there's this thing with Poe. It's weird. They're trying to make him the rogue, like Han Solo character, and at the same time, make him this foolproof, like, never causes any problems, good guy character, like, flawless good guy character. You might want to even say, like, i Mary Sue. Um, but that. that's problematic, like, not just because it's not realistic, but then when you're trying to write a story where you're having, you know, internal conflict, but also you don't want Poe to come off, you know, as a bad guy, then you end up with a character who has limitations on it, and I think you got that even more because of the, like, this trying to cover a whole time span, this long time span, when... I think it should have done what the other Star Wars books are usually doing, which is to like really focus in on like a week, you know, like Crash of Fate did, or a weekend, or a couple days, you know, because then you can still say, oh yeah, Poe was a spice, you know, spice runner. Technically, you know, um, like like the uh, the Death Star blowing up Alderaan was like technically the first time it it really sh- uh, you know blew anything up, right? But. You, I think you needed to to shorten the time with the spice runners, who were like all the side characters were completely just meh, uh, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Um, you're like replaceable with literally like any other character, um, and spend more time with that relationship with Kess and Poe. And I think one of the ways you do that is you spend more time with Kess. I, I I think there was and again, I'm like reading into this a lot. Like I, I don't have any sources or anything like that, but I, I imagine there was some kind of directive of this book needs to really focus on Poe because we know Rise of Skywalker is about to piss some Poe fans off and we need some goodwill. And so the focus was on like, let's just give more Poe content. Whereas I think what would have worked better would have been to spend time with Kes looking for, Poe and feel that struggle that Kess is feeling, so that you can kind of understand the context of their relationship a little bit better. You know, um, it's it's like it's like Han Solo's death. Like Han Solo's death means nothing if you don't have the entire original trilogy, right? And not just because you know you don't have this that story, but even if you you understand, you know, that Han and and Ben have this tortured relationship, you you don't know the demons of, of Han's past. You don't know the internal struggle that he's gone through. So you can't really, you can't feel the weight of that situation. And that's how I felt with this. You don't feel the weight of the relationship from Kess's side. I think you, you understand it from pose. I don't know if you necessarily feel it, but I think this should have been focused more on their relationship and the push and pull between that and how, you know, a father who had stuck around in star Wars, which is a new thing. Um, Trying to you know deal with this situation and deal with his failures and then you have that connection to to the Han Solos and the Kylo Ren's and uh, you get to see you know a character dealing with their mistakes which you know in all honesty we didn't get to see a lot with Han Solo you know we got to see it in that redemption moment but it's you know it's debatable how much of Han that actually was, right? You know, and and to actually have like a a real person, a real dad sticking around, I think you need need that story for kids. I think you need that story for kids. And from his end.
0: From yes. His side,
1: yeah. Yeah. Because because you imagine you know the kid who's struggling with a relationship with his with his you know father or whatever reading this book and being like understanding his his side of things a little bit I don't know I just think it could have it would have worked better that way and I think the way that you do it is is you shorten everything with the spice runners you have Poe be a member technically but more so he's just like caught up trying to find a way to escape instead of actually joining because and and I'm gonna let this throw it to you after this but I think Really, nothing changed from Poe from how he felt at the beginning of joining the Spice Runners and at the end of joining the Spice Runners. So everything inside of that was just a whole bunch of adventures because we need more Poe content. Again, I don't put that on Alex Segura's plate. I put that on uh, some of the decisions that were made above his pay grade. And I have mad respect for, for what he did with this book. But you got to focus on that relationship. That's the that's the only one I cared about. And I got nothing.
0: I mean- No, 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 because you're right, and not even when we think of it in terms of character development or when we think of it in terms of what the reader is taking in. When we just look at the story, right, and when we just look at beat by beat what the plot is doing, when Kes does show up, it's almost like an annoyance because it's like pulling us out of the story, Right. Yeah, so
1: it's I, like a, a new story starting over.
0: Yeah, yeah. Whereas what what should happen is we understand both sides so intimately that when Kes shows up, it should just be the story. That should be the focus, not oh, let me stop everything going on here and make a complete left turn and focus on what's going on over here. And then when this is done, I'll turn back to the main event.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, and you, again, I'm putting this on the plate of J.J. Like, just, I'm being straight up tonight, guys. Like, there was Zori Bliss means nothing in The Rise of Skywalker, the film, and to me, honestly, she means even less in this book. I think this book makes her extremely unlikable uh, and even, makes me even less... At, empathetic and it makes it even harder for me to care about her and tross um i i don't necessarily dislike her characterization in this book in isolation but i think uh because you 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 need her to be unlikable for pose development and again i think if you had kind of the the Kess versus zori devil angel on each shoulder thing going on you have a, a much better deeper more impactful story but when you're trying to link this to tross i think the the zori in this book and the zori in the movie are completely different characters and like i'm just gonna be honest guys and i'm not trying to sound like a like a goody two-shoes or anything like that but how am i supposed to root for somebody whose entire life goal is to be a drug dealer like there's no context wherein you're gonna get me to to root for somebody whose childhood dream is to deal drugs
0: But that's why I like Rise of Skywalker, though, is because you get the impression that she worked so hard to get out of that life. And that's why it's so meaningful when she turns to Poe and she's like, you know, here's everything. This is my lifelong savings. This is what I've wanted my whole life. I'm giving it to you because you're going to make more of it than I ever did. I don't think we saw that build up here. I would have liked to have seen that build up a little bit more. I would have liked to have seen her stuck in this situation where she really does understand everything that's at stake and wants to get out of it. But instead, we we see this person who thrives on this and she's so secretive and almost manipulative. And we could have had a lot more based on what we've seen from Rise of Skywalker.
1: Yeah. And it, it like I said, it, it feels like two different characters to me. You know? And like, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's... It's
0: hard to, How much time this, passed between this and Rise of Skywalker? Do we know?
1: Uh, I think Poe was supposed to be 16 in this book, and I think he's like 33 or 34 in uh, Rise of Skywalker. So, Yeah, I think we roughly. would have been
0: better served if it was maybe less time.
1: I, I think it would have been better served if... It had focused on Kess and Poe. <laughs> I mean, I keep going back to that. That's that's it. That's it for me. And and I also think as it regards Zori, because I, I do want to stick with her for just a minute, um the the twist at the end, obviously, like if you're already this far in, like spoiler alert, uh, that's what we do on the show. The twist of Ziva being her mom, I thought was cool. Um I I have respect for, for Zori trying to make it on her own. Um cause I like talking about like things you can relate to. I can kind of relate to that because you know, my dad runs restaurants. And so when I was growing up, I would, you know, get a summer job at the restaurant, whatever. And I never told anybody whose son I was or anything because I wanted to, I wanted to work and I wanted to, you know, earn, earn it on my own and everything like that. So on that level, I can, I can relate to Zori. And I think that's a cool aspect of the story, um, that, that really adds a lot because names mean a lot in star Wars. Um, so her having one last name, but really her name is actually something else. That bothers me because I think it's a trope that's just like it's a, it's overplayed in my opinion, just in in pop culture in general. And that's one of the things that I liked about um, that I that I like about the Force Awakens is that it sets up, you know, Ray and Finn in particular um, as characters with no last name, right? And they discover their last name or whatever, um, which I think you know. Is, is something big in the in the overall Star Wars story and in the sequel trilogy in particular. Um, but you already know her last name is Bliss. And so having her start out as Zori Wynn just is weird to me. Because you're little, wondering, yeah. like, how does she earn this name? And maybe it was just how I headcanoned it while I was reading it. But I thought it would have been more interesting if bliss is like a title you know like the title of
0: That's what the, I thought was going to happen.
1: Yeah, and so like yeah. she overcomes, you know, Ziva who can still be her mother but you know is Ziva Win if you want to keep the last name in there, but you know goes by Ziva Bliss or whatever. Um I think either like I I think for her characterization, I think giving her a last name is a mistake because it gives her a different identity. To which I think you you have that problem of the character in, the, in this book who I actually liked a lot in the book. I don't know if I've really made that clear. Like, I did like Zori in this book, um, but I don't see...
0: <laughs> you did not make that clear, no.
1: <laughs> no, well, I do. I think in this book alone, I think she is interesting, like i don't root for her but i think i find her interesting she's probably the most interesting character in the book whereas in in rise of skywalker it feels like two different characters that's my problem with it so give us that mystery of her last name or her taking on this title or whatever but don't give us one thing and be like oh but actually like i hate i hate that like it's called i call it the jk rowling because jk rowling in like every one of her books as as much as I love her writing, we'll keep the, everything else out of it for right now. As much as I love her storytelling and her stories, every single thing is like, oh, it, actually, you've watched this whole movie. You've read this whole book about this character that you got really attached to. But actually, it was this other person who you've never met before. That bothers me. And that's what I felt like with this. I don't know. Anyways.
0: It's a little soap opera.
1: It, it is, and yeah. I think it did a disservice to what Segura was able to do with regards to um, uh, Zori's character and making her somebody who is... is Honestly, this characterization of Zori is somebody I would like to read more about. Everything else, not so sure. On, so, on its
0: own, I think. Yeah, yeah, for not sure. without so, the being tied to Poe, yeah. But, all right, so regardless, I think I would... Drop my rating. Because we oh. do have a lot to get to in Dark Legends. And I don't think you and I really have a lot to say about Poe. Just because yeah. this, this book was it was pretty lackluster. Well, I'm I'm gonna a drop lot of... mine down to a two. Okay. Because now I feel better knowing that it's not just me being overly critical. <laughs> I think I wanted to really give it the benefit of the doubt and and enjoy it because it's it's a fun book. I think it's paced pretty well. It just it it didn't do anything for the characters. If if someone were to come to me and be like Poe is my favorite character in the new trilogy, I wish that I could have been like, "Oh man, if you like Poe, you have to read this book." The same way for um Oh God! What was the Beth Revis book with? Uh, Jin?
1: Rebel Rising,
0: so Rebel good. Rise. Yeah, that's when someone says like, "Oh, I love Jen. I love Felicity Jones." It's like, "Oh my God!" Then you have to read this book. This did not have that effect.
1: I will say, you know, after talking with Adriana about it as well, like, she really enjoyed the book. So, if you are a a big Poe fan, uh, make sure you go listen to that episode or, you know, after you read the book or everything. Like, I think this there is a market that this does uh, reach, and maybe just we're not that particular market because it's not what we come to Star Wars for, which is fine. Uh, Like, I don't—I'm not upset about having this in canon. Uh, I'm not— I'm not saying that like it doesn't have a place and that nobody should read it. It just does. It did. It didn't do a lot for me. um, And I, and a lot of it, I I honestly think the majority of the problem that I had with this book didn't as much have to do with this book as it did the fact of why this book had to be written. And I think that baggage weighed a lot on it. Whereas the next book we're going to talk about, um, I don't think had that kind of baggage. So, with that said, my rating, I'm going to keep it a two. I, I feel pretty comfortable there. I don't want to drop it any because I don't think it was a bad book. And and anything lower than two for me is just like, this is a dumpster fire. Um, and I, I don't feel like it was. So check it out if you're a Poe fan. If not, and you're like, I don't know if I want to read it or not. Check it out anyways if you can get it at the library for free or check out the audiobook or whatever. But you do have to check out Dark Legends because this one I'm excited for. Because it had the baggage, the good baggage of the uh, the Myths and Fables book, which I loved, um, coming into it. And I was not ready for it to live up to expectations. And spoiler alert, it did. I really like this book. I'm giving it... Uh, out of spinny helicopter lightsabers, I'm gonna give it four spinny helicopter wow. lightsabers. Yeah, yeah. Hit me with your best Damn shot. What you boy. got?
0: Um, I'm doing some quick math. I'm gonna give this a three out of five. So
1: okay, Solid. salad. Yeah. yeah. So let's kind of go through through each story and uh, discuss, you know, our thoughts on it and. and what um i think the the fun thing to do with this kind of story is to think about like what in star wars are they alluding to um and what Mm -hmm. what is this legend where could this legend have come from kind of thing um what could it have inspired those kind of things um so starting with the orphanage uh which more grand inquisitor guys more grand inquisitor
0: Hence the spinning lightsabers. Spinning lightsabers.
1: Like, honestly, my only problem with season one of Rebels, other than, like, I really didn't want C-3PO in there, but I never want C-3PO in anything. Um, Other than that, my only thing was, like, why did you kill the Grand Inquisitor? He was so awesome. So he's one of my most underrated uh, characters. So I was really happy to have him back, and um, I also found this interesting... Speaking of how you know it kind of talks to the overall lore of Star Wars, we know that Inquisitors come from uh, from you know fallen Jedi uh, and things like that. But I like the idea that they aren't all that, um, and they add more of that diversity to their backgrounds. That whether whether this actual kidnapping from the orphanage or, or was true or not, um, the idea that. Inquisitors were out there, and they were um, c- getting I, I getting other car- getting because, other.
0: Yeah, it it really is not so much a hey, this is Bible. Every single thing in this, yeah, is true. it's like here's the thing. People were afraid of, you know, and we know from Ahsoka, like yeah, they were going out, they were taking these these kids, they were known as as these shadows, but to see like this is. I I think of these books as the urban legends, right? Yeah. It's not that we're saying every single thing in here is canon, but it's so cool to put ourselves literally in the galaxy far, far away and think, okay, this isn't necessarily the story that I would be part of, but if I were really, you know, the broom kid in the last Jedi, here's the stories that I would be told. That's really fun for me. And it's relaxing for me. I don't sit I don't sit here and read these stories and read these kind of books by George Mann and think I need to memorize every single detail because now I need to know what's gonna connect to other books, other shows, other comic books. It's like I'm just gonna enjoy these campfire stories and let that be it.
1: That's hilarious, because I am the opposite. I'm like, what is this detail connect to? Ooh, what is this talking about? Um, more so than I am in, in the other books. Um, but I, I I think that's just kind of the setup of the book. You know, you, you naturally think of it, or at least I naturally think of those things, you know, um, like, rebels you know you have that the uh, i think it's called future of the force uh which gets the debut of ahsoka's uh white lightsabers is where the inquisitors are chasing down um other force sensitive children and stuff and so the idea of how this would spread and stuff and like you said these are the stories that you know broom boy would tell uh, and you know and and i like having the the light and the dark stories you know because we we do that with our fairy tales you know there's there's the good fairy tales and then there's you know Hansel and gretel where they get you know eaten version you know so they're <laughs> the, the the thing i like about these is that you can use them in different ways because there's they're legends right so you can pull them in and know their stories because there's always a bit of truth in legend Uh, but legends are, are more flexible than hard and fast canon, you know? And so, uh, my question to you, do you think it was actually the grand inquisitor or do you think it was just something else that be, you know, became a, a fisherman's tale that built up to be the grand inquisitor?
0: Ooh, good question. I mean, I kind of read it as the grand inquisitor. Um, But again, I think that is a lot of the fact that it was the first story in this book. And you're still kind of integrating yourself into the format, into the tall tale aspect of it. So because it was my first kind of go around with it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I know this guy. This is the Grand Inquisitor, of course.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what what I thought. The exact same thing.
0: I don't know if you know if this were the fourth, fifth, sixth story, if I would have necessarily thought that, but because it was the introduction, yeah, of course that was my my first thought and my final thought.
1: And it, I mean, it helps that the the picture that's on the the first page you turn to is literally the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. So, um, all right, next we have a, a buyer beware, um, which is a story of how. Basically, a mask gets passed around and gives visions of uh, things that uh, the mask has done before. Um, What is the... What's the power called? What do they call it that uh, Um, Quinlan Boss has?
0: It's not telekinesis. No. I can't believe I'm blanking on this because I quoted it all the time going into... Psychometry. Psychometry. Yeah,
1: psychometry. Okay, Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So... Um, there's a little bit of that maybe going on here again, legend. So we don't know if the, the particular character is force sensitive. My my question, because he he gets, if I remember correctly, he gets the mask from Doc Ondar's. Right, yes. that's where yep. that's where he buys the mask at. Are they overplaying Doc Ondar? Like, at what point? Does a backwater planet no longer become a backwater planet because so much happens there? That's that's the question I have.
0: It's a solid question. I'll give you you that much. I don't think they're overplaying him because so far he's been on kind of the sideline of most things. You know, even his own comic series, I feel like it it wasn't really his. It still belonged to the artifacts. Fair enough. Yeah, because... You know, there there are some things that we know about him. Of course, he's going to be a character and someone who we have to deal with. But the highlight is always on who he's selling to and what he's collecting. You know, we know a little bit about his parents and where they're buried if we if we really read into things, but never the main focus you know and even this story he is not the main focus this mask is and that's why i feel like it's okay because it's more about the collection than the collector at this point
1: fair enough fair enough get some other collectors in there like maybe a force collector anyways
0: (laughs) no but i i think that's a good point you know if if we knew that okay there's all these other characters like this it would make sense that he can blend into this backwater planet. But right now, it's kind of like he's the only collector in the galaxy. Shouldn't more people know who he is and where he is?
1: Yeah. Yeah, right. And and I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where it's like, I get it. You know, you got to sell Galaxy's Edge. And I'm not upset about it because a lot of the stories we've gotten around it, I've really I, I've enjoyed. But it's a backwater planet. Nothing's supposed to happen there. Anyways on to the actual story moment's mask or no
0: uh i don't think moment's mask but similar to it brought me back to moment but it was a little bit too different in terms of just power whereas i feel like moment's mask was a lot more about art and manipulation and control whereas this was just straight power so i think it was i i like this story because it connected it Two moments, mask, but it wasn't inherently like. And here it is in your face. Now go buy all twenty-five of these issues and read this this series.
1: Yeah, and and I think the the mask. I mean, obviously, has a huge role in Star Wars. Um, the mask is is part of this message of how we're trying to become someone else rather than ourselves. You know, and and without the mask this is a destructive path for us to follow, which I think connects with Kylo Ren. It's literally Kylo Ren. Like when he wears the mask, he's able to do these things because he doesn't have the attachment to his true identity. Um, and, and in ways he's put on Vader's mask and it leads him down this path of destruction as he tries to imitate what Vader did, you know, and he gets, he gets the highlights without all of the actual, you know, internal damage and struggle that, that, uh, you know, Vader had going on, you know, like Vader, Vader was not happy. Like, let's just, he wasn't enjoying being on the dark side. (laughs) Right. Um, so I I think, I I honestly think that gets lost sometimes with dark side characters. Like no Palpatine is enjoying being on the dark side. Maul, maybe a little bit, but like characters like Vader and Asajj Ventress, they're tortured souls. And, and just because they look really cool does not mean we forget that. Right. And, Part of the reason is because they they put on the mask to hide themselves. And when that's stripped away from you, like what's left? I think that's kind of what we have with Ben Solo in the sequel trilogy um, to an extent. And I think that's something that we have going on here is like he tries to do these things. He tries to commit these acts without really understanding the full context. You know what it is? Here's what it is. It's it's a Center highlights. That's what it is all at, at, when sports center started you know playing all the time and sports highlights became like a thing instead of just hearing about it on the radio all of a sudden like everybody wanted to be able to do these really cool moves and stuff and didn't really know all of the work that went into it and and everything and so everybody was just trying to get it and it got even worse once youtube came around everybody's just trying to do this thing so now nobody in the nfl can tackle like nobody tackles right anymore And I think of that because he's putting on this mask. He's trying to do these things that these other people did, but he doesn't have the skill to actually execute on them. And so he just ends up in a worse situation, which is like literally what happens when you don't tackle properly is you end up in a worse situation and he's doing it because he saw this little clip of somebody doing something really cool that he thought, oh, I could do that. And he tried it without any, I don't want to say without any training, but he didn't have any background. He didn't have the whole story to, to, to understand what the cost really was.
0: That's actually a really good way to put it, especially when you think of, you know, in the NFL, no one tackling right, and of course people get hurt. You know, it's it's so important to make sure you understand what it is you're getting and what the repercussions are of not understanding that. I think this is something where it does it really well. To me, this was probably the second most campfirey story of them all because I felt like there was a very clear moral message of it. Whereas the other ones, it was still pretty Star Wars tangent. But this, and I think Blood Moon were really like the the stories that parents probably invented to teach their kids a lesson,
1: yeah, and that's
0: how it felt, not not in a bad way, not in a bad way at all. It no. just to you know to to me, it really did kind of ring true, and it was like, "Oh, this is a parable," and it was still cool, it was just very different, but i I liked it.
1: Yeah, like, those kind of stories are important, you know? Like, when I'm teaching theme, I always tell the kids, like, is this story telling you what you should do or what you shouldn't do? Because that's how you establish what the theme is going to be. It's from that root. Those are the two reasons that we tell stories. Like, they have all the other cool things, you know? They have lightsabers, they have pew-pews, but, like, at the end of the day, it's either Anakin's telling us what not to do or Luke's telling us what to do, right? And this is one of those ones telling us what not to do. Um, and I think in, in both a literal and a metaphorical sense, uh, it, it hits really, really well. Um, we don't really need to go through, through all the different things. Cause I think, I think we kind of made our point there On to the predecessor. And this one, uh, made me think about force projections a lot and how they occur. Did you get any of that vibe? Yeah. Uh-
0: No, I would have to say this was probably the most lackluster one of them for me, just because we have Vader in so many formats, just in Legends, in past canon, in current canon. It's just, I don't know, for now, when I read Vader or Vader Tangent stories, I'm just like, "Eh, I get it. I, I think he went from being this mysterious character to an oversaturated character
1: here's here's the thing though is it really vader is it a projection is it psychosis like the the story that i kind of built up around it is like this is somehow vader has like so infested the minds of the imperials he's encountered that like without him even trying they're having like visions of him um kind of thing like almost like a form of force projection i know it's a stretch but
0: it's a big stretch my friend and you know normally i love this tinfoil hat thing and i love going down these rabbit holes with you but this seems like quite a bit of a stretch. I think it really is just meant to be a here's the scary guy and here's the stories that the, the troops are going to pass around about him. I don't see.
1: Okay, here's the thing. In The Rise of Kylo Ren, Luke talks about how the force is a door and that, you know, it's it. everybody has the door, but people have it open to different capacities, right? So I was wondering, like, what is someone's mental state? do to that door? Does it change how receptive they can be towards it? And if you're really on like a, a really bad if you're in a really bad spot and your head's not screwed on straight, does that make you more receptive to like dark side of the force uh, type visions and things? And
0: I don't know, it's an idea. Uh, how about this? How about this? I will reread this story with all of this in mind, but I don't I don't think it was really meant in that way. I think it really was meant in a more straightforward here's the scary guy, here's why people are afraid to move up the ranks and especially because if I remember correctly, it kind of ends with uh, the next guy in line being like, Oh crap. I don't want this. Like something Yeah. The the fact that each each new person goes in with a bit of apprehension thinking I don't really deserve this. What the hell happened before me? That I think is more of the point.
1: Okay. Fair enough. I feel like I'm going to get a text later tonight. It's just going to say you were wrong. Um, <laughs> which is fair. It would This this one was my least favorite or uh, uh, was your least favorite. Sorry. Blood Moon, which it sounds like you like was my least favorite. Um, because I don't see much connection to the larger uh, saga. And and I don't know why this story, which is a good, it's a good story. I don't have any problems with it. But I just don't get the feel that this is a story that would have been told enough that it becomes a legend uh, that's, you know, spread across the galaxy. And mind you, like, I'm putting the context of, you know, myths and fables, we get a story about Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, Last Jedi, we're seeing the legend of Luke Skywalker spreading. So when I'm thinking legend in Star Wars, that's the context I'm thinking. Maybe this is just too small scale for my uh, my taste buds. But it's not bad, but just not my favorite. It didn't really do, really didn't do anything for me.
0: Yeah, but that's, that, I, I won't disagree with you. Because that is just, you know, a fact. There's mention of, you know, like the Lassat and a couple random things here and there. But I like it more because it opens things up. It's not a matter of here's this one character, here's this one time and space and plot line. And it, it doesn't narrow anything down. It feels so open and freeing to me. And I like that my imagination can kind of run wild a little bit. It's It's not my favorite it might it's up there it might be my second favorite I'll uh, my third favorite yeah we'll say my third favorite um but it really is just because of that openness while still having like a a I don't want to say fun message um I think there is a message to it it's just not a slap in the face kind of thing but it's still it's still nice it's still interesting and I like a story like this where the entire time I'm kind of on edge wanting to learn more. Whereas opposed to things like the orphanage and the predecessor, once you figure out, oh, it's the Grand Inquisitor. Once you figure out, oh, it's just Vader killing off, you know, officers, it it loses a little bit. And it's harder to hang on to. Whereas Blood Moon and Buyer Beware... These are the ones where it's like, oh, I haven't quite figured it out yet. Let me, let me keep hanging on. Let me keep grasping and see what I can put together.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I could see this. I could see this being really effective uh, as like a longer form story or like a uh, uh, Tales from Vader's Castle type comic book or something like that, where yeah. you have more time to develop it. I, I think I just didn't really have the time to care about these characters um maybe it's,
0: maybe it's the hopeful optimist in me where i'm like oh because we didn't have enough time here and because there's not enough connections maybe we'll get something more later like i be. think that this is this is the kind of story where i hope i can come back to like five years from now and i'm like oh look at all of the new stuff that happened in the past two three four years that relates to this
1: well, that's you just like set me up for the perfect segue oh, to God. the next one, Dark Mirror, which <laughs> because is. Because
0: this is my favorite. This, one's this is my, my
1: favorite. Yeah. Well, this one, the one on Exegol is up there, but mostly yeah. just because it's on Exegol. Uh, but <laughs> this one was really intrig- intriguing uh, because of how it really spoke to me, it spoke about the arrogance of the Jedi Order and uh you have no idith manifesting this and hiding his dark side in a totem rather than actually confronting it um and you know going back to to it feels like seven years ago now when we discussed uh who was the best jedi that confronting darkness is something that both of our picks uh luke and ray do which is why they're able to to be who it is um and, and I also find it interesting that Nil Idith is his name, which to me sounds similar to Nil as in non and idols as in, you know, Ooh. no idols. So probably coincidental. Um, I'm.
0: It's almost like wh- you're an English teacher. You
1: know, uh. I don't know. I don't know. It's there. I,
0: I think a lot of it, too, is like you had said, it, it shows kind of the flaws of the Jedi, but not in that overtly obvious way that we've become accustomed to. You know we're yeah. so used to the master and apprentice type novel where it's like here's Yoda in all of his flaws or Dooku Jedi Lost where it's here's the Council in all their flaws, whereas this really is just a here are these well-meaning people and they really did respect this one Jedi for his purity, and here's here's why maybe that wasn't it was the best thing in theory. But in practicality, here's why it's not realistic. Here's why you can't replicate that. Here's why you can't build an order off of these ideals. He was just better at hiding it. But yeah, you're right, Brandon. Like, you need to confront them. And I really like that exploration here. And I'm almost more interested in how the story came about. Because it's like, who was passing the story down? Because I don't think it's something that Jedi would have passed down. It certainly doesn't seem like it. If the Jedi had passed down this story, maybe they would have collapsed. So, like, how did this story come to be in the galaxy, let alone be such a good story? See,
1: I th- I completely agree with you that this is not something that I think the Jedi would have spread around. It's not something that, like, seeped out of the Jedi Order and, and you know, uh, was a story they told. Um, uh, what do they call them in, uh, in Dooku, Jedi Lost? They don't call them younglings. Initiates. What they would have told the initiates. Um, but I do... Here's here's what I think with regards to the larger galaxy. I think this is a, a story where whoever started telling it was, uh, you know, telling it to a kid. And they're thinking, what's going to pull said kid in and get them excited? It's a Jedi. You know? Jedis get you excited. That's Knights, uh, you know, get you excited. Um, that's why we have so many stories with them. Wizards get you excited. It's not... The, that wizards are are anything in and of themselves. It's it's that they can do cool things. And so while you also get this story, it's blanketed in this. Oh wow, you know, cool magical powers and things we don't understand. And I think that's kind of what we have here. Is you know they are using the Jedi as a means to an end more so than this is a commentary on the Jedi. I think the Jedi are in this story because you. The galaxy uh, looked up to the Jedi, um, which is part of the reason why I think that they so many people were ready to just push them aside once the the Clone War ended, and they were told that the Jedi betrayed them, right? And that's why um, we don't hear so much about him in the original trilogy. I think part of the reason you get that fall is because people so looked up to the Jedi, even if they'd never met one. There's this ideal, Idith ideal of the Jedi. Um, And I think maybe that's the, the means that parents would use to tell this story and draw them in to, to teach kids this lesson. That's kind of how I worked it out.
0: I like that. That makes sense. Because it really does incorporate all of those things. It's not a Jedi-specific story. It's something where anyone at any age, in any galaxy, could read and and understand, you know, like, here are my flaws, I need to face them, I can't just hide them away, here are the dangers of what could happen if I don't.
1: Well, and, you know, I think about The Last Jedi, because we have, you know, we see how people look up to Luke Skywalker, right? And there's, you know, Daisy Ridley said it, I think, at Celebration, you know, like, be careful when you meet your heroes. Yeah. Um, be even more careful when you try to become your heroes, because everybody has a shadow. That's that's kind of what I think um, was the point here. And Jedi are more or less a stand-in for said heroes. You know, they're the Avengers of the galaxy, um, if you will, to put a little little yeah. real no, world this spin one, on it.
0: This one really worked for me. I like the story a lot.
1: Yeah, I want I want more of it. All right. Uh, next up, something else I want more of. Night Sisters. The Gilded because Cage. Because
0: you need to play Fallen Order.
1: Or just give me more Night Sisters. Like <laughs> more like that's one more Night Sister. I want a lot more Night Sisters. Like, I want all all the Night Sister content. Give give me all of it.
0: This one to me was really captivating because I hate horror. Like I'm cool with serial killers. You know, like you, you know, I love a good serial killer and true crime story. What I don't love is I'm, any kind of demon possession.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can I just cut that part that, like, is yeah. I love oh, me serial a CEO? C- uh, yeah. And just put that on a loop. Just, you know, yeah. make that, I'm gonna make that your ringtone. So just uh, randomly sure in Walmart.
0: I will proudly say I love serial killers. All right, continue. Um, One of my favorite things at work is to ask new people, like before I introduce myself, I'm just like, oh, who's your favorite serial killer? (laughs) Just so they know what they're getting into. Um, Okay, well, that's a thing that happened. But I, I love that kind of true crime story. What I absolutely hate is anything dealing with like ghosts, demon possessions, satanic worship. Like I hate that. That creeps me out. I am so terrified and I can't watch any of those movies. I can't listen to any of those podcasts. So this story worked well for me because it made me do that because it's Star Wars. So of course I'll face those fears, but I was so nervous the entire time. And that's when like, when you're done, you put it down and you're like, that worked because I was so captivated. That worked because I was so on edge. And because I finished it, I could not put it down regardless.
1: Yeah, and I think Star Wars kind of... Because uh, you, you know me, I don't even like serial killers. I, I Anything that's not like feel good, I'm like, mm, maybe not. Um, so, uh, you know, horror and Star Wars, I think you create almost this safe space where like people who wouldn't normally be into horror are able to, to, you know, hear these stories or whatever. Um, and I think maybe that's kind of, you know, why you're able to read this, this story and connect with it still and be captivated at it still. Cause with star Wars, there's a line, you know, and, and you, you know where that line is and, maybe that's why a story like this is able to spread throughout the galaxy is this is one of those stories where it's like there's there's a darker t- version of this story that gets told in other places but this is a, we don't tell the kids the darker version I think that's kind of right. what we got here right. and, and and I like this idea of mind control in the fashion of trapping someone else's mind um, because I think it, it, it talks a lot about the extent that uh, Palpatine was doing that with uh, with Ben You know, like not just not just influencing, but literally trapping the person's mind where you're in complete control of it. Um, I thought I thought that was a really interesting angle, as it regards like kind of you know what you were mentioning about like why this story is told and stuff like that. I get that the story is about revenge, but all the other stories in this book are they're giving a through a dark story giving a positive message, right? Um about, you know, confronting your fears, um not becoming obsessed with power, uh you know, all of these things, right? This story is about revenge, so you would think the the theme would be revenge is a slippery slope, right? But the night sisters fail and Caldith the the Sith character is victorious in his revenge. So is the real message about power and how you can claim power by hurting others? Like that's, that's kind of what I'm stuck on with this particular one. I like the story, but I don't know if the theme fits with the larger book.
0: I kind of took it as more along the lines of the dangers of seeking power over someone. And you might, you know, because the whole time I would, Certainly, just assume that the Night Sisters were going to be <laughs> victorious, you know. So, so to have that script flipped, where it's like, oh, here is what happens when you have that perfectly laid plan, when you keep relentlessly going after this one goal. Here's the danger of it.
1: <laughs> but isn't that what Caldor does too? Like I feel like both of them both sides of the, the aisle, if you will, are they're essentially fighting the same fight just against each other and only one you know is gonna come out on top. So
0: Yeah, that's fair. No, you make a good point. I I'm it's not saying I,
1: like I yeah I, I love the story. I thought it was super fun and obviously I want more Night Sisters if I didn't make that clear enough. But I just don't know if it necessarily hit the overall thematic elements uh, or overtones that the the book overall was trying to hit. With that said, to round us out, and we are uh, just we're talking about just the um, the the regular edition tonight. So the last story in that is a life immortal, which is on Exegol. <laughs> um, as it regards the, the the larger story, this was the the best one, I think um yeah yeah.
0: second favorite
1: this it was my second favorite after uh dark mirror but in in terms of how it connects like literally like directly informs and provides more context to the larger saga this is what i i am looking for yeah like i said in our top three bottom three i want more XOL content so i want to know you ma'am what did you think of this story
0: I thought it it kind of had everything. It was almost too short in my opinion. Like it on its own had great a great character and great character development. Like I I really felt throughout the whole thing I understood who I was dealing with, who I was riding along with, where I was, what the stakes were. So just all in all even just for being, what, 20, 25 pages maybe? Like, just a well-written story, let alone all the context it provides to the sequel trilogy, to Rise of Skywalker, to Palpatine. It just... Ah, oh, man, what's the word? Here's- looking- it's all-encompassing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's... So you, you made the connections with everything else. Let me ask you this. Could there be a connection between the little animal thing that's actually sanguis and the creature that the sun turns himself into that bites Ahsoka on mortise?
0: Anything's up for grabs. You know, with a story like this, anything could work out. It's, again, you know, not totally canon. These are legends. But yeah, anything is possible, anything's open for interpretation, and anything could be connected, especially while dealing with the dark side. So I do think there's possibility for some connection, I'm just not able to say right now, like, this is right, that's that's totally connected, that's true. Uh,
1: it's there, something's there, man. Darksiders and deception and turning themselves into other people and and... and... That's just immediately, immediately what I was led to, and like thinking about, uh, you know, the the connection between like Ray going to Exegol and Ahsoka going to Mortis, and what similarities happen there. You know, anyways, um, the the deformity being trapped on Exegol, I think, you know, talking about how it links to everything, links obviously to Palpatine and his form um, in in Tross, and he had. These same aspirations of eternal life and and everything that I think we're supposed to make this connection to. So here's 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 my big question I left with. Is the crowd of people all old these old Sith who tried to come here and live forever and then they got all got trapped on Exegol?
0: I had that thought too. I I still have that thought, but my problem is I need to go back and double check because I think it's the Rise of Skywalker novelization. They keep referring to them as the cultist and the cult members, and that's the only reason why I'm not just like, yep, that's it. That's true. But, but it could so easily be like, if you think about the Bane trilogy... You know, it could so easily be all of them being from the Sith Order back when they matched the Jedi Order and there were hundreds of these Sith and now their souls are the cult members and their souls are, you know, going out and recruiting the Ochi's of them all. But yeah, no, that thought definitely crossed my mind. It just doesn't quite add up with the little information that we have.
1: Yeah, I think you would have to uh, you would have to explain the technicality of like cultist versus former Sith, you know, and I I think you can do that because you you know, you have the rule of two being established, you have, you know, uh, the one true Sith as uh, Palpatine calls it. I think you can you could pull it off if we get more around this idea and around this story, which we definitely should. Like, if this doesn't become like a a Halloween comic series or something, like, come on, really? Well, I mean, could you in a
0: in a few weeks we at least get Ochi as part of the new Vader series?
1: Ooh, I didn't know that. Okay,
0: yeah, they they just announced that this week. So there's at least connections happening finally. It's not I I don't think it's going to be a direct, you know, Ochi and the Cultist story, but there's at least between this and that some kind of connection is starting to happen.
1: I want more Exegol stuff, man. <laughs> it's so
0: it's so good.
1: And like I just I I just totally I totally got like a uh, a Frankenstein kind of vibe, you know, where yeah. you you go here and you end up creating this. You you think you're creating life, but you end up creating this monster, you know. And and knowing, you know, I the end of the saga is ends for all intents and purposes on Exegol, you know, and. That that's where the Sith end and everything like that, I, I think is just, it makes this seem even more weighty, you know? This thing that Palpatine is trying to do, Sith have been coming here to try to do them forever. And there's something, um, I don't remember what they call it in the, the Rise of Skywalker novelization, but... Kylo identifies that little uh, mechanism that uh, is holding on to Palpatine as something that uh, a Sith uh, Emperor or Sith King had used generations before that he had studied about or whatever. And so um, I think it adds to that lore here. I think the the only thing that I really question of like, hmm, this might be a problem is and this is why I think I, I like the idea more so of the, these people, air quotes, all being like Sith spirits, you know, um, is if Palpatine can toss his presence from body to body and he has all these bodies there, couldn't he, you know, like I think that's kind of a problem yeah. Wherein I think if you get more of a story around here and you can say like, these are for lack of a better term, Sith zombies. Like, they're not Force ghosts, but they're also not alive people. So they've created this cult kind of thing. Like, there's a way, you, I'm sure you could figure out how to tell that story, but other than that, like, Even one little nitpick.
0: Though, regardless of the connections to Rise of Skywalker, I think this is just a good story on its own.
1: Oh, I agree completely. Yeah. Like, it. it it's really, really powerful, and, I mean, but that's that's part of, I think, what makes... Particularly these stories, great. I've got to say, I'm going to be straight up, I enjoyed this one more than I enjoyed Myths and Fables, and I really like Myths and Fables.
0: Dude, and I got to say, kind of just rounding everything out, I think this conversation increased my rating, I would give this like a three and a half, four out of five, just because I, I think that maybe my issue and why it was a little bit lower to begin with was... I read this all in one sitting, right? I was I was puppy sitting for my brother's dog. I it was Saturday morning, we just went on a long walk. I was like, I'm just gonna sit down and read this whole thing cover to cover right now, cause there's nothing else to do here. And you know, dog was sleeping, I breezed through the whole thing. And to me, the first half of the book is so just like introductory and getting you into the pace and into the format. And then the second half of it is just so freaking good. But when you take it all in one lump sum, I think it's it's harder to realize that because I've got through the first half of the stories and I was like, oh, these, these are good, these are cute. But then realizing just how monumental the, the final ones seem and feel, like it's, <laughs> it is a good time, it's a good book.
1: Yeah, it really does build up and get better and better. And I almost wonder if maybe you know putting one of the heavy stories and then one of the lighter stories and alternating. I, w- I almost wonder what it would read like if you did that. Um, could be could be an interesting take on the book. I I'm gonna keep this at a solid. Uh, I mean, you I'm already f- had it
0: pretty high.
1: Yeah, I had it you at had four, four. Four spinning helicopter lightsabers yeah. and then like one um
0: one blaster lightsaber
1: yeah one staple gun lightsaber yeah (laughs) yeah that's what I'm going with because I'm like excited about the book again and like I said like it took me a while to get through this book because of just everything in life which really frustrated me because I kept wanting to read it and like I was trying to read it more and I just kept falling asleep so and that's not that's not a comment on the book that's a comment on on me and i'm like i need more of these stories so i'll probably eventually pick up the target version of it just to honestly get more of these stories or know, find the story in another way but um we we, we're just talking about the main version this time. So that's going to round out our our conversation there, but we want to know what you think about, about these stories about Poe. And if you've read the uh, other stories uh, in dark legends, let us know if those are worth um, our time and worth digging into uh, like uh, some of these ones that, that we so liked here. And if you can do that, of course on our Twitter at clashing sabers, you can, like I said, hop on our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash clashing sabers, Facebook group, clashing sabers star wars and of course our email clashing sabers network at gmail.com so if you can't find us it's because you're not trying (laughs) Lindsay, (laughs) where can they find you
0: oh man you might have to try a little bit harder yeah i was gonna say (laughs) facebook group um i'm technically on twitter uh at the lady of lore i haven't really been active because people are exhausting um same with pretty much every other <laughs> social media right um so honestly your best bet is to go to facebook specifically tag me or email us and brandon will tell me someone is looking <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and remember that if there is anything that we said that you have a problem with it's at the drew brett <laughs> i just t h e not duh he we're not that cool. T H E Drew Brett. All right, remember, We're guys. That
0: cool, Drew Brett's not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, talk about sound clips that I can make my ringtone. Ew. All right, guys, keep reading, keep writing, but whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text.